Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Our mission is to make analytics practical. This is not about abstract theory, but to share true stories of how using analytics helps real-life businesses with real-life constraints make the best possible decisions to compete, grow, and thrive. I'm your host, A.G. Tan. So when you're doing any kind of analytics, whether it's about getting data together to support reporting or building models to support planning, there is always a ton of heavy lifting at the front end because you need to get the right data for your purposes. And it needs to be validated so it is trustworthy and so on. And that's before you even start building your models. The strange thing is, and we see this with our own customers, is that all this work is done to help people in the business make better decisions. But once the data and the models are there in the system, we stop. We tell the people who are supposed to benefit from all this where to log in, and then we pretty much leave them to figure it out. We leave it up to chance whether the business gets value from all our efforts or not. In other words, we falter on the home stretch. This week, my guest Andy Weiss and I are going to talk about the home stretch and how some companies are able to not just keep up the pace, but even to accelerate on that final lap. But first, let me introduce Andy. Andy Weiss is our Director of Product Management here at Qubit, overseeing the strategy and direction of our awesome product development team, whose mission is to enhance the value of everything we do for our customers. Prior to Qubit, Andy was part of the cafe development team at IBM Cognos, and later had his own company that developed a product for Cognos Analytics called MetaManager. That company was acquired, and after some time, lucky for Qubit, Andy brought his many talents here, and we've had a ton of fun ever since. Thank you, Andy, and welcome to the Ask Qubit podcast. Thank you, AG. I'm happy to be here, and thanks for having me on it. In the introduction, I talked a bit about the home stretch and how it is often neglected. Can I ask you to elaborate a bit more at a high level about the challenges you see companies facing in the home stretch, and perhaps you can touch on some of the opportunities they may be missing out on? Sure. Um, From my experience, AG, Uh, Regardless of whatever technology our customers end up settling on, uh, they all seem to hear the same answer about how to enable their users with data, which is everybody should be a part of the planning system. And understandably so. These vendors that they're working with are working so hard to build a platform and environment for users to operate in that they want to see everyone using it. But I haven't yet met a customer where that actually does work for everybody. You know, here at Qubit, we implement some of the most advanced and sophisticated financial performance systems, and for companies of all sizes. I believe we focus sometimes a little too much time enabling uh, the people who are going to live in these planning systems that we just assume everybody is going to be in the system, and that's not always the case. We see this time and time again. Part of the financial processes, uh, such as uh, the close, right, when uh, uh, during the close process, reports are required in people's hands so they can focus, they can collaborate, they can iterate through, uh, you know, the discussions that need to be had. 
And I'm talking about an actual physical PDF file, you know, something, a balance sheet, cash flow, along with their trend and variance reports. Uh, say, as an executive vice president, working with finance on closing the books, I need to focus on that data without all the distractions of the technology. I'll give you another example. We use planning analytics here at Qubit internally. We manage our sales forecast in there, and our sales team meets every Monday morning. As a sales rep on a Monday morning, reviewing my current quota position alongside my forecast, preparing for my weekly cadence call, I don't really want to be in this system. I'd like an Excel file in my email so I can review that, mark it up over a cup of coffee, getting ready while it's, uh, you know, before it's my turn to present. So, and I think we can all sympathize a little bit, sympathize a little bit on how many systems people have to interact with on a daily basis. And for a lot of people that contribute to running the business, especially those not in finance, they don't need yet another system. They need the data. The system is paramount, but they don't need to be in the system. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, I think I do. And um, my friends in sales are probably not going to like me for coming up with this example, but I'm going to throw a, a somewhat silly example at you. Um, so um, we're talking about for example, the salespeople who need to be out closing deals and finding prospects and so on. And they don't really have time, you're saying, to be poking around a piece of technology to find the information they need. They really want to have that information at, at their fingertips. And that sometimes that is a, a thing that we neglect. So my silly example, and you have to tell me how, you know, this is really too silly, but I'm imagining a children's birthday party. And I'm imagining the kids are out running around, playing on the playset, kicking a ball around outside and having a whale of a time. They're out there doing their jobs, which is to play. And I'm imagining that, you know, I'm the mom, because I am a mom. I'm imagining that I'm baking all these wonderful cupcakes for the kids to enjoy that will give them the energy to do their job, which is to run around and play. But what I do with the cupcakes is that I put them in the cupboard. And I then send a text to all the kids that they need to come and get their cupcakes in the cupboard and stop playing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, maybe, again, tell me if this analogy is silly, right? But the point being that putting the cupcakes in the cupboard and expecting the kids to come and do their self-service is a little bit like putting the reports in the system and expecting <laughs> the sales guys to basically come and find the, the reports in the cupboard or the cupcakes in the cupboard as the case may be. Whereas if I really want the kids to consume the cupcakes, I would put them out where the kids are so they can easily get to them, right? And so that they're right there in front of them, they consume the cupcakes and they get the energy to run around so that they will sleep well at night and all the parents will be happy. So what do you think of that analogy? I'm thinking of the two kids that run into the cupboard, the other three kids that asked the two kids, how did you find the cupboard? And the other four kids that said, I lost my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a fantastic analogy. And you know, these systems have a tremendous value. And when you're in the system and you're trying to answer questions uh, and, and work through the data, it's where you need to be. And there's, there's you know, I, I think we have all of the use cases for being in there. But in the daily course of business, um, my job is not to live in the system. My job is to close business or to build something or to run a team. And there are things that I need to be enabled. 
And that's what we have to think about is now that we have this system, a single source of the truth and the, you know, a place for this to live, how do we enable all the people who actually make the business tick that are not necessarily finance users and maybe not even at all finance savvy? We can enable those users. And I have a couple of examples I'd like to share. Yes, please do. So I, I have um, a customer that I was working with um, in Australia. And uh, this, this, uh, it's a charity organization uh, that has to do with helping children. It's a fantastic organization. I've really enjoyed working with them. Um, but in their, their organization, they have a few hundred people that have to manage sort of a mini P&L for each child. So it's, it's like a P&L that we're used to, except that it's, it's actually for just a person. And there's smaller numbers, of course. But, you know, the revenue side of this P&L is the grants that fund the activities for the child and the costs for everything they do with the child. Um, and, you know, most importantly, uh, this P&L is about managing the spending so they get the most out of the funding. The folks that do this work, though, they are focused on managing the children, not the finances so much. And they're not in finance. And like many of us, some of them are probably pretty diligent. You know, they had their cell phone, they ran to the cover, right? Uh, and they, they understand the PL, they work through it, they've got all the details. But maybe others just jump straight to the bottom line and see what's the overage, what's the underspend. Maybe some don't even really read it because they don't know how to. Right. It's a good example where the planning system is paramount, right? But the people who rely on the data, they need something a little more prescriptive, uh, excuse me, a little bit more prescriptive to enable them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's funny. I think in, you know, software engineering, you're a software engineer, I'm a computer scientist, right? You know, we understand that before you can solve the problem, you have to really understand what the problem is, that that's always step one. And before you can understand what the problem is, you have to identify the problem. And I think this is one of those areas where we haven't or we often neglect to actually even see that there's a problem there, even though there is, because technical people, and certainly I'm guilty of this, will have a tendency to say, well, the data is there, people should just learn how to find it, and they'll be able to do a better job. But what that neglects is that people should doesn't, you know, doesn't solve the problem, right? Because it's neglecting to understand that the people who should have got so many other things that they have to worry about and that might be a higher priority for them. And so they'll make do without the information, even though they could actually do a better job with it. And our responsibility is really to figure out, again, how to close that gap, how to, you know, do better on that, you know, last mile or the, or the final lap. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the point exactly. And let me share how we solve this problem for this customer. And it's not the only way to solve the problem, of course, but you know, one of the things that I manage here at Qubit is our report work product, which is about report distribution. And, and this was a situation where we solved the problem fantastically with report work, thinking about the types of users that needed to be enabled with this information. What we did is we, we built with the customer, we built a basic P&L report in Excel. We used Excel's grouping features to hide some of the data so users could drill into the details if they wanted to see more, they could keep it at a high level, really thinking about the person who needs to consume this data. It all came from the planning system, but we're in Excel, a comfortable environment. Um, we also added a second sheet onto the report, which had all the transaction details that accounted for their spending. And this came from another system, but it's something that they, those users wanna see because they're comfortable with that. They recognize it, money they actually spent, you know, not just the summarization of it. 
What was interesting and, and, and actually was a big win is we took it a step further. Since we were using report work here, we were emailing these reports out monthly. Uh, we used one of the commentary features in report work. And we took some high level details about the PL, just a few bullets, three bullets, plus a screenshot of this you know, small table of data. We put it right in the body of the email message. And that turned out to be the big win. We thought that was just you know, a nice bell and whistle. It looked good. But it turned out to be the big win because now everybody could immediately see exactly what their position was, good or bad, right in the email message, didn't even have to open a report or decipher P&L if that's not something that was um, you know, as important to them. We found that to really enable the users with the data without um, you know, training them on a new system or expecting them to do something that's not really their primary goal at that, that job. Right. No, that, that sounds really amazing, actually. So, so, so let me try to paraphrase that to make sure I understand. I'm, I'm picturing a person working for this charity, and I'm imagining that my job is to look after a handful of kids, say maybe it's five kids, and, and, and I have a budget um, to take care of their welfare. I don't know exactly what this charity does, but I make sure they are clothed and fed and are able to, you know, have uh, cultural experiences and, and, and have fun and, and whatever it is that'll help their physical and, you know, mental well-being. So I'm, I'm, exactly. I guess I'm making this up, but that's what I imagine. But I have a budget per child. And that budget is coming from somewhere and I am spending money. I'm authorized to spend money per child and I'm interacting with the children. I have a relationship with the children and, and my main job is really to be out doing things and spending time with the children. My job is not to figure out how to check on my budget in the planning system. So instead of having to learn technology or worry about forgetting how to do something in the technology, I'm just literally getting this, this message in my inbox and it's right there for me that gives me the information about what I need, about how much money I have left to spend and so on for each child. So it just makes my life so much easier. Is, is, that, is that how to imagine it? That's how I imagine it. And that's the feeling that I get. That's what this organization's doing. And I'll tell you, we're really proud of and part of this because we feel like we're helping somebody make a difference. And, um, and it's really impressive work that they do. And the fact that our software and the systems that we implement can be a part of that is fantastic. But the most important part as it relates back to this podcast is we enabled the skilled people who are doing this, you know, boots on the ground to do that job well and efficiently without asking them to do something that would take them away from that. And that's the key role here is, is enabling people in the form and the means that makes the most sense to make the business operate well. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So in the third question, the third main question of, of this podcast, and we always like to ask for words of wisdom. So do you have any advice for companies who may be realizing that they could be doing a better job of getting timely information into the hands of those who need it? Now, obviously, Obviously, we'd love for everyone to download a free trial of report work, but other than, you know, plugging our own software, are there any learnings you can share? Certainly. Um, are, are you familiar with the Hour of Code program? Have you ever heard of that program? Only vaguely. 
Okay, so it's it's a it's a program that takes place every December for about a week. It's coming up soon. Um, it's an effort to teach every child across the world, across the globe, at least one hour of writing code. All of the leaders of all the large tech organizations get involved in this. They come together, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, they come together uh, in this initiative to teach everybody one hour of code. And it's something I participated. It's something that's been going on for several years. If it sounds interesting, look into it. Everybody should, should participate, but that's not the point. Um, you know, in fact, in addition to this, we, we see a lot of STEM programs in our schools these days teaching things like coding and computer science. These are obviously all very near and dear to me as a software engineer, but we're not trying to turn everybody into a coder or software engineer. What these programs are doing is they're challenging children and teaching children about problem solving, teamwork, pride in their work, challenging them to find better solutions. And it's interesting because, you know, we see terms that sort of come up uh, every couple of years. And the term that I'm seeing a lot in the news lately in corporate America is in, in business is robotic process automation, RPA. Um, and, and I don't know all, all about RPA and the details of that. But one thing I do know and that I experience in my job here at Qubit is that anyone trained and skilled as an accountant in finance that's spending, say, the same three days every month compiling the same reports they ought to think and consider about maybe spending six days next month trying to find a better way. Right. Yeah. Can I, can I interrupt you for a second there? Because, you know, this is a very, I think, engineering mindset, right? You and I have had conversations about this before. And I know, you know, every engineer, computer scientist I've ever talked to um, tends to have a similar mindset. And that is, you know, if it will take me 10 times as long to write some code that will save me from having to do this tedious task a hundred more times, you know, I, I would rather do that, right? I would rather invest the time up front to find the general solution to the problem than to essentially have to go through the mindless thing over and over and over again. And, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that that's sort of what you're alluding to here, that the engineering mindset can also be useful in areas that are not necessarily engineering, right? When you talk about a, a finance person, highly trained, highly skilled, but spending, you know, days and days every month doing a, a manual tedious task. Agreed. And, and this is why we call software engineers some of the laziest people out there. Right. We'll happily spend four hours writing some code to keep us from having to do 20 minutes of something we don't want to do. But the real scale and value there is, is that's 20 minutes that we save every day. And that right. ends up pretty quickly. Uh, you know, and it's amazing how complacent we come. Uh, we can be with things like, oh, this is how you do it. And this is how long it takes. Um, but, but I'll tell you, once you start working with some tools, and there are a lot of tools, including our product, but other products that enable non-technical users that are skilled in other things to start to automate some of their processes. And especially when you start to partner with people like with Qubit, you know, people who do this all the time, you begin to build your own systems and orchestrate how you, um, you know, enable users across your entire organization with critical information. But what's important about that is you're doing it in a way that you as say a finance user it's maintainable, it's scalable, it's efficient, it's something you can manage. And, and that's something that we have absolutely strived to be able to provide for our, our user base. 
So, so what would you say to people who say, well, that's all well and good, but am I not at risk of automating myself out of a job? Oh, I sure hope not, right? We, we went to university and we got uh, you know, all of these skills and education. There's just tremendous value that we bring to the table. And I feel like the tedious work is what's holding us back. Um, you know, I think that we give the opportunity for people to shine. I mean, the goal here is just to make the CFO proud and to help the, the organization grow. And, uh, and if, if these manual processes are the things that are holding us back or the lack of getting data in people's hands who, of people who need it, who could move the needle and make a difference, um, I think that would be a selfish perspective. I think we should be always looking to help the company grow and be more efficient. Um, it's, it can only result in good things. That's innovation. That's, that's the way innovation works. Yeah, and it's it's funny, you know, because I do hear people worrying about that, that the computers are going to take all the jobs. And yet at the same time, you know, as a consultant, you know, sometimes we go to companies and, and there's a lot that they want to do and there's a lot we can help them with, but nobody has any time because their day jobs take up too much time, right? And so there's, there's nobody who ever said, oh, I, I, I have too much time on their hands, right? <laughs> you know, because there's always more to do. And just think about it. If you can eliminate some of the boring manual stuff that you don't really want to do anyway, that frees up time, not for you to lose your job, but to do some of those things that you want to do that you know the company needs, you know, maybe it's, you know, getting access to more data or planning at a more detailed level or, you know, breaking down some silos in planning as we at Qubit like to talk about. Sure. And, and case in point, AG, we had a very proud moment on the team uh, earlier this year where a customer of ours had been implementing report work for about a year and a half. And um, the, the things they began doing with the product enabled them to access more people than they had before at frequencies they hadn't before. And it didn't uh, take a person out of a job. In fact, they came to us looking if we knew for anybody they could hire to actually run the software because it was starting to grow their company was they were in finance they were growing because of this so just the opposite it didn't take somebody's job it actually created too uh and it was and it's something we're very proud of because um you know we we helped we helped a customer we helped two people get a job and um and we're seeing a business grow because they're they're really doubling down on automation and uh, and bridging the gap between finance and some of these technical automations yeah i know that 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 that's a great story and it really underscores you know, that the purpose of technology is, is really to help us. And it's so cool when we see that translating into something that, frankly, gave somebody their weekend back, right? Or created yeah. a job or gave somebody, you know, dinners with their kids. There's nothing wrong with that. We should aspire to that. It's more about the quality of what you do than just, you know, blindly putting in hours doing something, you know, soulless. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, um, well, we're getting to the end here, Andy. And I know, you know, I did tell you that this was not about promoting report work, but I'll give you um, a moment to actually promote report work um, as, you know, one tool out of many possible tools um, that can help close that gap between, you know, getting your data organized and getting your planning system built and getting your models created and implementing AI or whatever it is, the gap between doing all of that and then actually making sure it's put in the hands of the people who need it. So Andy, 
over to you. <laughs> no, thank you. And and I'll, I'll try not to plug report work as much as just to share, you know, our feelings and, and how we work with our customers with our software and related to this podcast. As a software engineer, I automate everything, right, right down to submitting my timesheets and filling my coffee pot with water. Uh, you know, it's, it's because I'm a geek, it's fun, but it's also because I try to be efficient. Um, what I love most about my job is the teamwork when we partner with our customers. I see what our customers are doing. I can empathize with their challenges. I'm not in finance, so I couldn't necessarily do the things they do, but I can absolutely empathize with what they're facing and the constraints they're working in. The partnership um, between us and our customers, it feeds our product roadmap. It's, it's directly contributed to the reason why we developed report work 10 years ago and why it's such a thriving product today. We built a system that enables a single person in finance to get key reports in the hands of everyone in the format they require, the distribution means they require, whether it's Google Sheets or Teams or Slack, and at the right cadence, you know, my daily flash report, my weekly sales report. We built a system that lets the finance users be good at finance and leverage their deep Excel skills, their knowledge of their planning system, and make a difference in their organization. And usually one that the CFO is going to be proud of. So we get to share in that win there. So where can people find out more about ReportWork? Thank you. www.reportwork.com uh, is where we can, um, plenty of information on ReportWork, as well as we have a 30-day trial of the software and a, a video that has an overview of it. And that's R-E-P-O-R-T-W-O-R-Q.com, correct? That's right. ReportWork with a Q. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yep. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Do stay in touch. You can email us at info at qubit.com or check out past episodes and transcripts at qubit.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.